I just really wanted to put like a lot of color on this quote unquote black and white canvas that people always seem to have in their minds when they think about East Germany. This is Cold War Conversations. If you're new here, you've come to the right place to listen to first-hand Cold War history accounts. Do make sure you follow us in your podcast app or join our emailing list at coldwarconversations.com. Welcome to episode 37 of Cold War Conversations. Today we're talking to Antje Arnold, the author of The Girl Behind the Wall, which tells the story of a girl growing up in East Germany in the 1980s. Now keep your finger away from that fast-forward button for a minute. Hopefully some of you may have noticed the improvement in sound quality on some of the recent episodes, and this is directly resulting from the support we get from our Patreons, where we have invested in some new microphones. Now, you might be thinking, what is this Patreon he keeps going on about? Well, it's an easy way for you to support the podcast with a monthly donation of as little as a euro, a dollar, a quid. Larger amounts and other currencies are also accepted, but I'm afraid we don't take Ostmarks. I'd like to thank personally our latest supporters via Patreon. These are Dom Thorrington, Jakob Rud Bernhardt and Nick Packham. If you'd like to help us and get some extras, just go over to coldwarconversations.com and click on the support the podcast option. Now, back to today's episode. This book offers a very different insight into holidays, vacations and the everyday life of a family. Stories that are often left out when describing East German life. So I'm delighted to welcome Ancha Arnold. Can you just tell me a little bit about the book? Obviously, we've, we've got a few things we, we want to go into, but just a, a very brief outline of The Girl Behind the Wall. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, the book was originally actually I wrote it for for my children and I wanted them to have um, like a first person perspective of what it was like to grow up behind the wall in, in East Germany, um, because, you know, we hear a lot of times more or less of like the adult point of view from that time period and and when you look now any kind of documentaries on the television um you most most of the time you really hear about you know all the struggles and people uh, trying to escape and um the depression and oppression of of how the people and i really wanted to provide a sort of a different uh, perspective on things and, and sort of opened a door a little bit to my home. Um, so I, I really wanted to do that for my children, of course, primarily, but I was approached by a lot of uh, co-workers and friends and, and some family members um, who suggested I should just kind of consolidate them all and throw all of my little stories and put them, put them together in a book. So that's really how this all, all came about. Fabulous. Well, we're delighted that you have put them together as a book. And I think you're right. There's a lot of focus on the Stasi and the, and people trying to escape. But one of the areas that I'm particularly interested in is what 
you know regular life was like in in the ddr which um from what i've read of 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 your book that's sort of what you're describing there yes indeed it's it's really truly uh sort of a naive perspective um leaving out you know any kind of like political agenda um or you know kind of going sort of behind the scenes of the 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 usual maybe headlines during that time period so I really wanted to sort of really provide a different perspective, totally stripped away from 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 all the, the news headlines and um, propaganda, maybe that that people might have heard around that time period. And I just really wanted to put like sort of a, a lots of color on this, quote unquote, black and white canvas that people always um, seem to have in their minds when they think about um, East Germany. Yeah. No, absolutely. So where were you born? Uh, So I was born um, in a town that's called Strasbourg. Um, It kind of means like ostrich on the hill. (laughs) (laughs) So I I have no idea if there were actually someday in time. I don't know if there were ever any ostriches in in that area. I don't know, but that's what it's called. But it it was really uh, kind of a... It's a city, but I think it had only about maybe 10,000, 15,000 people living there at the time. Um, And it's it's actually located sort of central between Berlin and Poland. So it was about, yeah, it was about 30 kilometers each each way. Yeah, I'm sure I saw it as a destination on the S-Bahn at some point. Oh, yes. (laughs) Did it go out that far? (laughs) It, it actually did. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. There you go. Um, and what, what year were you born in? I, I was born in 1978. And uh, who who was there in your family? So my family was was quite small compared to maybe what would be considered the, the regular size family. Um, so it was it was really just uh, uh, my brother and my parents. Both of my parents um, were orphanages, orf- like they they both both grew up in an orphanage. Um, different different ones throughout their lives, and they kind of met um, actually at the one that they stayed at, um, at together. Um, there was some sort of family members, um, like my mom's grandmother and my dad's grandmother, but it was really just the four of us essentially right okay and was your brother older than you or younger than you yep he's actually three years older than me okay and and what did your parents do for work what was their job um so my dad actually he learned um he learned to be like uh I don't know how you say it. It's it's you know with piping and um, plumber, water. Plumber. Yeah, it's like a plumber. Yep. And um, but he ended up in the end being like a logger. So he he was like chopping down trees and so forth. Um, and then he joined the um, the NVA, like the army, the East German army, because his goal essentially was to serve for about 10 years and then after three years um i guess he, he didn't quite like it anymore and got out of it and and uh went to school to become a, a police officer um and my mom she uh 
she studied to be a nurse, but then discontinued her studies because she became pregnant with my brother and then um, started working in a daycare center. Um, and then later on did a couple other other jobs here and there. Okay. Okay. And did, did your parents, were they fans of the regime? Did they believe in, you know, what the, you know, the government line in East Germany? Uh, I, that's a quite difficult <laughs> question to, to answer, to be honest with you. Well, my dad, when he, um, he, when he joined the army, he also joined the SED, like the party. Yeah. Um, and it, and even though he didn't, we didn't have any like special privileges by by him joining the army, um, and and he, it, it actually quite surprised me when I found out about that he did because he is not a very good conformist of of any sorts. So he, I don't remember him ever going to any meetings, um, and um, so it was is. You know, he he wasn't really involved. I'm not sure if that was a requirement for him to join the party or whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's it it's uh, you know, I'm not really sure what they thought about the the regime at the time. I mean, it was very like hush hush because you couldn't really voice your your opinion because um, you never knew who was listening yeah. in. So that was always uh, quite difficult. Yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely, absolutely. And he, what what sort of he was in the Volkspolizei, was he as a police officer? Yes, yes, he was. And was he in any particular branch of that? Was he uh, traffic or a regular beat cop or? Uh, no, he was. Uh, he was kind of more of uh, like uh, like the your police uh, like town police officer okay. so he yeah so you know he was like the police officer for for several small towns in in our area where we later on moved to so all right um, so, okay mm-hmm. um was was there much crime that he'd have to deal with yeah i don't really recall him ever having to to deal with any uh big sort of crime scenes i mean the i would say the the most he had to maybe deal with were just minor, you know, misunderstandings between neighbors, um, that that sort of thing. But it wasn't uh, you're correct in, in that assessment that yeah. there wasn't really much, much crime going on. Yeah. Yeah. And and your mother, you, you said, worked in uh, was it child daycare? Yes, that is correct. Okay, and obviously that that was very very heavily uh, subsidised um, by by the government. What what sort of size of um, daycare centre was she working in, and what were her responsibilities? So she so usually the daycares back in the day they had sort of the the really sort of infant kids on on one side of the building, and then the 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 older ones, meaning like the ones that were about, you know, like three, four, five years old on the other side. But it was a a, a, a big building kind of with two halves um, and then a huge playground on the back end of it. And yeah. she she actually um, worked 
on the side with the with the really small children. Um, she was basically like the the teacher, so to speak, of of the little kids, kind of taking care of them throughout the day and you know doing whatever activities with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've seen some great photos where the kids are sort of being pulled around on trailers. Yes, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> those are great, though. They're, those are really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was I was going to ask you, I mean, did you did you attend the same daycare center? Yeah, actually, I did. Um, my brother, however, he attended a separate one. But uh, because when I was uh, born, I had like several different health problems and I got sick a lot. And the only way that they would allow me to to go to kindergarten was if I was going to go to the one where my mom was working at. So I was essentially on the other side of, of the building, but, you know, on the same grounds as my mom. Um, just want to go, go back a bit before we talk about your your sort of early childhood. Where, where were you living at the time? Were you in uh, a flat flats or in a house or, or where were you? Yep, we actually we lived um, in a two bedroom. Well, I guess it was more like a one bedroom flat um, because my brother and I shared essentially the one bedroom and my parents had uh, like a pull out couch. So every day they had to, you know, put the couch out, make a bed. And then in the morning, I had to all put it back together again as a couch for the daytime. So it was a, a one bedroom uh, apartment yeah what we what we'd say is uh, very cozy yes <laughs> very much and, and and what were what were the neighbors like um you know it's funny because we i i forget um i think we lived on the third story so, and there was one more uh neighbor above us and you know when you came into the entrance there basically was two neighbors across from each other so we I, I, we didn't really interact with a whole lot of them um so out of the let's say four so eight people essentially living there we only really interacted with two two neighbors really um right. so, i mean you said hello when you when you saw them in the hallway or something but other than that it was it wasn't really a lot of interaction Okay. Okay. So um, you go to kindergarten. Um, mm -hmm. What 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 are your memories of kindergarten? It was. I have actually a lot of really positive. Well, mo more positive than negative memories. But <laughs> nap time was my least favorite memory. Really, um, mm. I was I was not um, very obedient when it came to to nap time. But um, I we did a lot of you know like you know, arts and crafts and that sort of thing. And of course, the the pre-school entry type of education. So you knew how to count and your colors and your shapes and that sort of thing. So we always had about two lessons maybe each day on, on that sort of pre-school pre type of education. Um, yeah. but, a, but a lot of the um, other activities were really um, sort of focused on uh, nature based type of thing so we learned how to build things we learned how to garden um we had to sort of clean up all together so it's a very like community type of things and and of course we had 
you know, our holiday celebrations. And, and we actually had a forest that was adjacent to the daycare center. And um, so we did lots of ventures out out yeah. uh, in the in the forest. That sounds lovely. Almost idyllic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, and what age did you start school properly then in uh, East Germany? What age was that? It was um, the age of, of six. Um, I was initially uh, actually conf- my, my parents, I guess, were confronted that I should start school at the age of five. But my mom decided against that and said, no, you know, she's going to be going to school with everybody else at the age of six. So basically six is uh, really the, the starting age when you get to go to school for right. the first uh, time. And can you remember your first day? Oh, yes. School? Yes, I did. It's We have like this kind of celebration. It, it's usually on a Saturday. So you have sort of your, your introduction to your teachers and um, the, the school itself on a, on a Saturday. And we had these huge paper cones that you are giving on your first day of school um, and they're they're kind of filled with you know chocolates and candy and then some school supplies um, and maybe a toy or something but it's supposed to make the entry into the school system I guess a little bit more enjoyable and so I don't know I can't I don't want to say that it's necessarily like an East German type of thing only because I believe that it's still done today um, where they give out those type of things um, on the first day of school if I'm correct but um, but it, it was it was I was looking forward to it because I only got to experience it um, through my brother you know three years earlier so I was looking forward to getting my big cone full of goodies <laughs> yeah no absolutely i've seen i've seen photos of those actually it's very it, well it's unlike anything that happens in the uk i mean in the uk you basically just go there and that's it you don't get a cone full of sweets or anything like that and also our schools are closed on saturday it's just monday to friday and i've right. noticed that it germany is monday to saturday isn't it Yes, we uh, so before the wall came down, we had to go to school from fr- like Monday through Saturday. Saturday was usually a shorter day, so we had um, like we only had about four classes on Saturday, so that we would basically be home again um, just in time for lunch. Right, right, okay, <laughs> okay. And and what lessons were you doing in those first years at at school? So, you know, like your regular, like, you know, German, like reading, writing, um, there was a lot of emphasis on uh, writing uh, very neatly. And you had to use the, your actual like the, the the ink and the jars with the feather pen and had to not make a mess on your on your papers. And um, and then just uh, sort of geography classes and some sort of history, I, I recall um, a little bit of that. And then in fifth grade, actually, we um, we uh, had to learn Russian as well. So I learned that in, in fifth grade. But we had like the whole music and arts type of um, classes as well. Okay. 
because I've I've sort of seen examples of East German uh, textbooks. Hi, this is Rhonda in Virginia, and I support Cold War conversations because I think the work that Ian is doing is critically important. I think it's vital to record the firsthand accounts of people who lived and experienced the Cold War uh, because it illustrates history in a way that a book never can. So thank you so much for the podcast. It's my favorite podcast, and I look forward to it every week. To be like Rhonda and help to preserve these incredible stories of the Cold War, as a monthly or annual supporter, you'll be able to listen ad-free, you'll become one of our community, get the sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster as a thank you, and you'll bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate to find out more. Of sort of primary school age, and there appears to be quite a lot of, you know, um, about fraternal relations with the Russians and also the the end, you know, how important the NVA is. Um, mm-hmm. how, how early were you aware of that sort of message being put across to you? Very early on, I mean, they always told us, even still in kindergarten, um, they they always told us that, you know, the the Soviet, you know, they're our friends and, um, you know, like they kind of taught us that they were not just our friends, but they were sort of equal, you know, we shouldn't look at them any like differently than we look at ourselves. So there was a lot of that. And and as far as the, the, the folks polizei, it was kind of, you know, like the whole army and all that. It was all sort of like taught to to sort of respect them and follow the rules and how important it is to to follow the rules and not, um, you know, sort of challenge authority in any any sort of way. So it was a very subtle sort of uh, teaching approach, but it was always there at the forefront, including like you you mentioned, like you know, in our, our textbooks, there was always pictures of of you know people in uniform or um uh, soviet you know like children and 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 that sort of thing so it was always sort of we were always surrounded by it and it was always taught in a way that don't pay too much attention to this just just do what they say and move on kind of thing yeah yeah and and with your father being in the the Volkspolizei, did did that affect any of your friendships at school at all? Um, it it didn't early on. Like later, it it kind of affected it more because it, you know some some people didn't want to be friends with me because of my dad's profession. Um, uh, you know they didn't. I, I don't. Like they were scared, you know, maybe if they were going to be reported on or spied on or or something like that. I, I don't know. But but the main thing was always um, I always felt like we were more closely watched because of it. So um, so it always was, um, you know, don't, you know, turn this channel on. And if the doorbell rang, you either had to either change a channel because we did you know, have 
uh, you know, Berlin wasn't, I mean, you know, wasn't that far away. So we still got signals from the West. And yeah. um, so when somebody rang the doorbell, you were like, oh, my God, so either turn off the TV or change the channel real quick. And so because you never knew who was going to be on the other side of the door. So there was a lot of like uh, self-checking. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you about that in a in a in a moment. Um. Just back back with your your school days. What was your favorite subject? I I was <laughs> my I actually had two and 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 so my favorite was gym class. Um. And my my other one that I really liked was shop class. <laughs> what class? Yeah. Shop. Like you learn how to learn like practical things. Like you learn how to build something and. And uh, so it was like a shop class, like where you we learned how to build like a birdhouse or uh, make a shovel or something like that. Right. And what what were your favorite books? I honestly I loved mostly um, like fiction books, um, like any kind of fantasy books, um, comic books. Um, but fantasy books were, were probably my favorite. I actually still have one my really, really early favorite books um, I still have to this day, which my mom got from a person. Um, she knew her. She worked. She was the, the, the bookstore owner, I guess. And she always got special books to us. And it was like a, about a panda, like a, an eight, like a Chinese family adopting a panda bear and and then how they healed the bear and they had to send it all back into the forest again after a while. So, but yeah, it's a lot of fantasy books. Um, I don't know, like Grimm's, the Grimm's Tales and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think. <laughs> all that, all that cheerful East German yes. stuff. <laughs> no. And, and what, what about TV shows? What, 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 what did you like to watch on TV? You know, we had, there were actually some, some great, movies that did they came up with uh, i i think even you know like a lot of there were most of them were from like there were you know russian kind of uh movies um you know like from uh i don't know like father frost and uh i guess the uh, like lots of i don't know some of them were a little bit creepy <laughs> there was one that was like a witch i think it was like uh like a witch that lived in a house that had chicken legs and it would move around and things like that <laughs> but that, there were that, a lot of <laughs> yeah no no that that's what i found with a lot of these tv shows is they are a bit how can i say disturbing let's say yes. um, for, for, a, for a young for a young kid i mean if regular listeners to the show will know that I'd, I've mentioned before the singing ringing tree. Oh yes, which yes. was shown on British TV, um, <laughs> and that really freaked me out watching <laughs> watching that. So if your TV had more shows like that, I'm surprised you've uh, you've managed to come through your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, they were sort of sort of like that. A lot of them, and and but we had we had our own sort of. Um, we had a music program, so it was like a variety uh, program show. So people, you know, singing and there we had sort of our East German, you know, uh, teen musical type of movies. 
So, but I did watch a lot of uh, a lot of kids shows, um, like sort of like the stop motion type of of shows, and um, and of yeah. course uh, the the sand mansion, like the you know put you to sleep at the end of the day. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you you can't mention uh, East German TV without mentioning that. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and so, what what would have been your favorite shows on West German TV? <sighs> Oh, West German TV. I don't even remember when I was growing up. Like, I, honestly, I, I, I'm, I was trying to look back in my head. Like, did I watch, like, what did I actually watch? There were West German shows. And, and I don't recall really watching any of, of them until about very shortly before the wall came down. I was staying over at a, my, my friend's house and they turned, they put, MacGyver on their TV and that was the first time I think I've ever seen sort of like an action type of you know yeah. TV, like show and I was yeah. I was so excited about it <laughs> yeah so you you never watched what was it Politsai and Ruff um 110 or whatever it was what was that there was a cop show that was on East oh, German yes. TV did you ever watch yes. that I think my parents did but like you know, it's kind of weird because we went, we watched the Sunt Mansion that came on. I want to say about quarter, quarter to six, you know, in the evening, and then that was our last show to watch TV. Yeah. And then, and then we had to go to bed because we had to get up like at five o'clock in the morning. So, so my parents might have watched that show that you're referencing, but I, yeah, I, yeah. I have. I yeah. have not. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine your dad watching it and saying, "Oh no, we don't do it like that." <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I'm presuming you were a member of the Young Pioneers. Uh, I was actually, yeah. My my brother and I both were. I think most kids um, were part of that. I I think I I, I want to say it wasn't necessarily like mandatory but it was highly encouraged for you to to join so so i did um i did join the young pioneers and then later had the whole ceremony to become a tailman pioneer and then you know i was really looking forward to getting my uh, blue shirt later on when i was going to be like 15 or 16 i think yeah <laughs> but that never happened. <laughs> but unfortunately, history denied you that. I know. Uh, <laughs> um, and that, how how did you find the young pioneers? I mean, what 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 can you remember from it? Well, we had a lot of sort of get-togethers in the school courtyard. Like there were certain days um, that we had to show up to school in uniform and kind of had an assembly in the schoolyard, and and it was a lot of. Um, community like solidarity type of you know uh working on behalf of the community type of stuff so had like fundraisers by you know selling baked goods or we um went through the entire town um gathering recycling things and to earn money for for the class and um you know cleaning up you know type of community cleaning any trash up and and stuff like that but uh, we always, I think it was on Wednesdays that we had to come to school for our, 
meetings for like an hour or two every Wednesday. So that we did different different things. And there was always like a, you know, like once a year we had to send a package to Africa or something like that where we had to gather school supplies and, and so forth. So that was um, – so it was like those type of things. So it was very like a community type of thing. Like, you know, I always joke with people because I always say this is like the post Hitler youth type of thing, because that's what it felt like. There was like a lot of emphasis on, um, you know, working yeah. together as a group and, and that sort of yeah. thing. Well, it certainly looked like that uniform wise. So, I mean, it was yes. just a different color uniform and a different colored scarf. Um, <laughs> and did you have any relatives in the West? Um, I, you know, I, I, I did. Um, well, my great aunt, she, uh, she moved, um, during, you know, the regime, she moved over to West Berlin and I want to say her daughter was actually, she, she lived over in West Berlin and, and, um, was like the secretary for like uh, a mayor in the city or something like that right. and and uh so my great aunt she 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 did move over there um to uh Neukölln um yeah. and um so that as far as I knew that was like you know that was the only person over in in West Germany that okay. that I was related to mm-hmm. and and did she send any gifts over or anything like that at Christmas or birthdays <laughs> Yeah, she we did get um you know a couple packages from her and it was always you know you were always kind of worried about that because obviously you didn't know when it was necessarily coming um uh, but then you know you you had to always hope that they didn't open it and you know every I mean it was always like packed very tightly it was you know like they used not the tape that we use nowadays but it was like the you know like the yarn it was like wrapped like really tightly in hopes that nobody could get in it and and take anything out and and that sort of thing so yeah um, but yeah yeah (laughs) and and could you remember anything in particular that that you got from one of those packages anything memorable uh i remember um receiving uh you know, gummy bears, um, the the Haribo gummy yeah, bears. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I, my kids still eat them. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I remember it was like so excited because the smell of it like was so unlike I've ever you know smelled any kind of candy like that before. So so that was very exciting for me. And um, yeah, some some just chocolate, but I think it was like Kinder chocolate. And, uh, and, you know, I, I remember there was my, maybe some soap in there or something, bar soap for my mom and coffee. It was like a different kind of coffee that my parents were very excited about getting that. So. Right. Yeah. No, I remember speaking to uh, somebody else on the, on the podcast and they, they said that they chopped up a Mars bar and made it last <laughs> a, a month or something like that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but no, that that's that's really interesting, particularly you describing the 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 difference in the smell of it as well, because that doesn't you know, that that's a really interesting insight because you don't necessarily um, think of, you know, think of that. Yeah, it was it was I was like obsessed with it. So when my bag was empty, I would actually pack my 
sandwiches for lunch in that bag because I was like hoping it would like taste like it. That that's great. That that is no that that does really bring it home though. I mean that that's a great that's a that's a great great description there. Um, you, you you mentioned about the worry of somebody knocking at the door and discovering you're watching West German TV. Mm-hmm. Um, were you sort of told what not to say outside of the family circle by your parents? They they didn't really have. You know, they didn't sit us down and, 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 and like really like laid out kind of like, oh, you know, this is what you can do and this is what you cannot do and, and say and not say. It wasn't anything like, like very specific, but, you know, it was, it was, I don't know. My, my parents didn't like really had this like conversation with us kids, but they were, just making it very general and saying, okay, you know, if, if we're not really allowed to do this, so if somebody's coming, you know, turn it, don't turn it on if we have visitors, don't. It was more or less told to us that it was just not allowed. We weren't allowed to, to do that, you know, like they could take us away or something like that. And and um, so that in itself was scary enough. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to do that, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, uh, yeah, it was it was it was kind of surreal, um, you know, to to have that. I was actually once in a summer camp and and I didn't know at that time that uh, we were watching. They were showing the movie E.T. during summer camp. And I didn't know um, that we weren't really supposed to see that. Um, I didn't know that it was something from the West. Uh, but I remember going back to school and not talking about it, but we had to write an essay or something about what we did. I, I forget, like it was an essay we had to write. And I sort of incorporated <laughs> some of what I seen uh, in the movie into a little bit into my story. And I remember a couple of teachers later on pulling me aside, asking me about like, where did I get this from? And it kind mm. of made me really nervous because I was like oh no what did I do wrong you know and uh I was was so afraid that that I just you know I was lying basically I was like oh no I I just made this up I don't know what you're talking about and that was like sort of the first time I was realizing oh I that I was not allowed really to see that but you know everybody else in camp saw it so it was that was probably one of the scariest moments that I encountered you know as a child being like sort of you know had somebody had their thumb on me and say okay what what did you do wrong now you know so that was that was different yeah yeah no it's difficult to imagine that sort of pressure as a as a young child sort of having that fear in the back of your mind that you know that you might be separated from your parents because of something you've said Right, exactly. Um, I'm presuming that wasn't a young pioneers camp that they were showing ET at. No, it was just uh, <laughs> like a, like a regular like summer camp, you know, like people from all over the East Germany were basically, you know, able to to go to the camp if you got a spot, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, and I, I I actually didn't even like the movie. <laughs> 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 so, so, so I wasn't like all that impressed by it, but um, apparently 
I, I don't know. I don't ever. I actually. It would be interesting to know if if these people actually got in trouble for for showing it or not. I don't know, but I didn't yeah. know at that time. I wasn't supposed to see it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you know a number of Western movies were shown in the GDR, but uh, not sure about ET. Um, <laughs> Have to have to research that further. I presume you visited East Berlin as a child. I did. Yes. Well, yes what I did was... you ma- What did you make of East Berlin? I loved it. <laughs> I was always very excited to go, and and maybe it's because we lived in the country. Um, you know, after we moved out of the flat, we actually lived um, in a much much smaller town, and it was. Very, very country-like. I mean, there was only like 2,500 people living there. So it was going to Berlin was so exciting for me because I loved uh, just seeing all the activity in the city and and um, being able to go. My favorite thing was always uh, to go to the to the grocery store in in Berlin because they had a lot of things that we didn't have in our little small town so um so that was always exciting for me that i got to got to go there and and just look around at the city life (laughs) yeah so did you go in the centrum department store on alexanderplatz was that one of your that was one of your favorite places was it Yes, yes, it was. Uh, it was definitely one of my favorites. Um, you know, riding the the elevator and um, and that sort of. It was, I guess, for a child, just really exciting because it was so night and day to my regular daily routine. Um, so it was, you know, it was really really fun, especially around Christmas when the markets are open and things like that. So yeah, yeah. Did you presumably you went up the Fernsey to them? I did. I, I only went once, um, but uh, I was I was really excited about it because everything looked so small, and you know all the cars looked like little ants to me, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it was it was uh, it was very it was very exciting to to be up there and kind of seeing the city from from bird's eye view. So, yeah. Yeah, you were eleven years old when the the wall. How did you become aware of that happening? Yeah, so I actually, you know, went to school with my brother and on the on a Saturday, and uh, I think it was a Saturday, and there was nobody there. There was like nobody there. There was like a couple teachers, a couple other students, but but nobody really, nobody else. Um, and that's sort of you know the teacher that were there. They were like, okay, you just you know go home you know, the, the wall came down type of thing. And so it was, it was, I didn't really know exactly what that meant. And, and, you know, I, I always look back that, that there might've been some differences in, of the awareness of it, depending on if you lived really close to the border being like the wall being sort of in your face on a regular basis versus, like living out in the boondocks, you know, and, and not really seeing that all the time. And, and, um, so my, my, my dad wasn't even home. He was, um, you know, I think he was still like uh, doing something at the police school and, and that sort of thing. And, um, uh, my mom was working at the army at that time. And, and so she, she, 
she wasn't really aware of it either. So in a way, it was like a surprise to all of us in a, in a way. But I know some of my friends' parents were apparently right on top of that, <laughs> apparently, because they didn't show up at school that day. Yeah. So, so, um, so I don't know if my, my parents like sort of chose to, decided to not pay attention to a lot of the news and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But, um, but basically, you know, my brother and I broke the news to my mom. Wow. And how did she react to that? You know, I think that there was sort of like a confusion and uh, maybe not like really finding that to be true. Like, you know, do we believe that? Do we not believe that? So there's a lot in the air. I, I felt like, you know, is this is this is this for real? Is this temporary? Uh, what do we do? Because the other thing what happened was that, you know, we like my mom and they, they were told to not go to West Berlin or West Germany because, you know, they were still working for, you know, like the folks Polizei and, and the army and you 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 weren't allowed to do that, you know. So so there was a lot of hesitation, confusion and, and, and sort of things and and I'm like, well if my parents are confused then I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. What what was your mum doing with the army then? Because she'd obviously moved on from the daycare. Yeah, right. so yeah, when we moved to the to the country, um she uh, she uh, was working first in a hair salon, but she didn't earn a lot of money there. So she just she decided to to go and work at uh, the army um, in next town over. And it was basically just working at the um, like at the cafeteria area. Right. Okay. And um, yeah, but it was apparently it was above um, the they, there was a bunker there. Like so people would disappear for like two weeks at a time. <laughs> right um, under underground so yeah it was interesting oh okay okay um and so when, when did you first visit west berlin how, how long was it after the the wall had come down um i believe we went to west berlin towards the end of november yeah it was the end of november i don't know my parents were like oh you know let's let all the crazy people go go over first, yeah. get it get it out of their system type of thing. And maybe yeah. it was also just because there was still some like disbelief about it. So um, maybe uncertainty that made them wait a little bit um, longer um, compared yeah. to some other people. But we did we used we my dad drove the Trabant to um, Lerta Bahnhof, which is I think now the central station yeah. in Berlin. So we went there and then and then took the the s-bahn to uh kurfürstendamm um and then went to a bank there to uh get our 100 marks yeah <laughs> and uh so yeah that was that was uh, the end of november so that was my first time in in west berlin and what what were your first impressions of west berlin you know i was very very overwhelmed um it was you know it there was it was almost too much like it was like this the, sort of like quote unquote the land of like milk and honey you know like it was like 
everything that I've never seen before that I didn't even know existed. And it was a lot of information overload. Like mm. it was pure, I don't know, it was just the, the colors everywhere and the advertisements, the the the, the, the products um, that you could buy just in a regular like grocery store. And uh, it was it was very, very overwhelming to, for for myself, like just seeing all those things that I had never I didn't even know what they were up half of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did you go in the um, Cardave um, yes. department store and was yes. that like a I'm presuming that was like a sensory overload for you? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Um, very much so. I actually would compare it to the US version of Black Friday. I mean, it was like people everywhere um, just trying, like buying, you know, everything left and right. And um, but anyway, yeah, it was definitely a lot of um, sensory overload for for me. I was just kind of stepping back a little bit and and just watching everything from the yeah. distance a little bit <laughs> yeah and did did you go and visit your great aunt in Neukölln? yeah we not that particular day but uh later on like maybe like a couple of weeks or so later we did go and um, visit her my right. mom and i did yeah well that must have been uh, something because had had did she travel over to see you at any point or was that the first time your mom had seen her in quite a while she did come and visit us one time um, in East Germany. Um, and it was actually my brother and I were were home by ourselves. And uh, she, she told us, I, I think she told us we couldn't tell our mom that she was there. And then, you know, my mom came home from work and my aunt was kind of like hiding behind the door. Uh, but my mom had sort of this look of suspicion on her face because I don't know. I guess it goes back to like the whole sensory thing. But my mom actually said that it was smelling different in the apartment, like it, something smelled different. And and that's when my my aunt like she jumped out from behind the door as a surprise. So so uh, so wow. it's, it's kind of funny, like you know that 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 a one single person could be that apparent that you know it smelled all of a sudden different yeah. yeah yeah no that that's a great description now i know that this is the first book that you've written and i think i've you're, you're writing you're going to write a further book of sort of like after your your life after the wall has come down is that correct yes so the second book but basically kind of and you know it's really my personal perspective obviously because you know it it you know is obviously different for for everybody depending on where you lived at that time and and so forth but um but i really you know wanted basically going to cover what it was really like from for me um and some of my friends to like the aftermath of it because a lot of times when you see again documentaries on the on the television you see like, oh, this big celebration of all these people standing on the wall and front of the wall and, and that hacking away at it and so forth. And, um, you know, this whole celebration, but then nobody talks about really what happened after that. That's sort of like, the you know, that that 
perfect fairy tale story, like, you know, and they lived happily ever after, but we don't really care what happens after that. <laughs> yeah. So that's so that's basically what this book is yeah. gonna be, you know, what what actually the, the, all the transitions of things and and um what yeah. happened and how they happen. So yeah. Right. Well we we definitely want to have you back on the show to talk about that because it's a it's an area I'm particularly interested in is how people coped with that transformation of their country effectively disappearing overnight. And yeah. So we will we will talk again about that. But one last question I had for you was sure. um, because obviously your 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 book, um, The Girl Behind the Wall, is about um, your childhood in the DDR. What what would you say are your fondest memories of your childhood? You know, I would say just uh, sort of the sense of community in a, in a way like everybody was sort of equal like you know I never had to worry about um somebody being better than me or trying to live up to some sort of expectation um and it was it was sort of more uh safe it was it was safe you know I could ride my bike six kilometers that way or that way and and never had to worry about about anything so it was um sort of like a safe environment to to grow up in and um again you know this is obviously my perspective of it versus if maybe it would be different if i would have been older or an adult and and so forth but um you know besides all the worries of maybe people spying on you or uh kind of having to censor yourself um a lot of times um, I have a lot of uh, a lot of good positive memories of of, of growing up um, in, in in East Germany. So it was a, a lot of like I said, a lot of like community aspect and uh, safe a safe environment. Okay, no, thank you, thank you for that. So where where can people get your book, Anja? Uh, so you can you can get it uh, actually on on amazon um so it's it's available on, on all the amazon sites you know amazon.com or .de or .uk wherever wherever people are so uh, but yeah and it's available as an ebook or as a you know print book so um but that's but that's where everybody can can get right. it right well i'll i'll make sure there's some links in the uh show notes um oh, great to that to to the book there but i really appreciate your time that that's been really interesting talking to you well thank you so much for having me i appreciate it well that's it for episode 37 don't forget to check out the show notes where there's links to buy ancha's book and a few other extras as well the show notes are at coldwarconversations.com slash the word episode and the number 37. Don't forget, if you want more GDR podcast listening, GDR Radio is going to be available soon via your podcast provider. You can find them on Facebook. If you like what you're listening to, do join our Facebook discussion group where there's loads of Cold War information and further discussions with our listeners and guests. Just search for Cold War Conversations. We're also on Twitter at Cold War Pod. Lastly, if you like what you're hearing, do leave reviews with your podcast provider 
or share us via social media. It really helps to increase awareness of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening and supporting us. It is really appreciated. Goodbye. Not enjoying the ads? Well, you can avoid them by going to coldwarconversations.com slash donate. By becoming a monthly or annual supporter, you'll enjoy ad-free listening, become a part of our community, receive the sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster, and bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate for more information.